Hi, you're listening to Queensland Theatre's Quality Time podcast. This week, our artistic director, Lee Lewis, sat down with our artistic coordinator, Sam French. Sam has worked in theatre for over 25 years, 15 of which were with Queensland Theatre. Her current role predominantly looks after casting, copyright and third-party intellectual property. She comes from a stage management background, but like most people in our industry, began her journey imagining she'd be an actor, which, she's glad to say, didn't last long. Now she opens doors for other actors to pursue their dreams of being on stage. Enjoy! everybody to Quality Time with QT. I'm Lee Lewis, I'm the Artistic Director here at QT and it is my very great pleasure to introduce you to a person who has had a great influence on your perception of the plays that we've performed here at QT but you may not have met in person. I am talking about Sam French and she is part of our programming team here at QT who is largely involved with the casting of all of our shows. So for a lot of actors she is uh, the first point of contact with the company and is deeply involved in all of the conversations that go on about who would be the right person for a role. It's a mysterious and dark art casting. <laughs> uh, a lot of directors say most of the work is done in the casting. If you find the right person for a role, that actually that makes the plays work. Uh, and it's a, there, I've never worked with any casting director who has worked the same way. There, uh, and I think it's something that you build up over over years sure. is is how you work. And so I guess I'm going to start with that, uh, Sam. How long have you been with the company? And at what point did you start uh, dipping your toe in the waters, the tricky waters of casting? Well, I actually started with the company back in 1998. Oh, my God. Really? As an ass- assistant stage manager. Okay. And um, so I've actually worked under five artistic directors with the company um, it wasn't a continuous period from then to now, but uh, yeah, six years in stage management where I was observing rehearsal rooms, um, uh, understanding the fundamentals of, of what good actors did in a room, the relationship that a, a director would have with an actor. Um, so from an observational point of view, that was kind of like the very beginning of, of what's informed how I've become this role now. Um, and then about almost 10 years ago, coming up to my 10th year, uh, I came back as an artistic administrator and uh, through that process it was initially just the, the templative contracting with agents and artists um, and uh, calling for submissions for auditions, for general auditions um, and getting to know that kind of side of the very starting conversations with actors uh, and through that process, I became more and more involved in the audition process, such that I no longer just administered the, the, uh, administrated them, but I also moved into um, sitting into the room and having an opinion, um, and and being considered in my opinions. Uh, and then from there, uh, it developed. I've got a passion for researching actors specifically. Um, voraciously reading plays and and getting a handle on characters and then trying to find 
who that person was likely to be out of the the book of actors that we had uh, who we recognised were skilled for our shows um, and then bringing them in for show auditions and, and sharing that uh, response uh, with the directors who obviously are interested in the relationships that an actor um, has with them and how they might work together in a rehearsal room. So it's kind of kind of coming full circle. So now I'm actually putting the actors into the room or, or giving people the opportunity to be the actor in the room um, as opposed to sitting in the room and, and um, being exposed to that relationship. So a, li- a lifetime of understanding the mysterious relationship between an actor and a role in a rehearsal with a director. Yeah, and I did acting training oh, myself really? back yeah. in the in the mid-80s. So, again, about understanding the skill set that's required from an actor. That happens quite a lot, doesn't it, that people start in acting because they actually... Uh, it's one of the easiest things we see about our, our industry. We see the actors on stage and we think, oh, I like theatre, so maybe I should act. Mm. Uh, and then you find yourself in it and actually find your way into very different paths for a life in the theatre. Yeah. But that early... That early experience of putting yourself up in front of people can give you a lot of knowledge about the difficulty of that. Sure. And also a real compassion for the great actors and what they go through in some far as some of the roles that they play. Oh, huge amounts of respect and understanding from that um, yeah. point of view because my, my journey as an actor was very short um, and a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, the terrible nightmares of, lo- of forgetting lines or... Um, or uh, yeah, being like... in that competitive nature of being yeah. cast and oh. not understanding that you, you can be the best person that you are and pr- provide um, in the audition room um, the very best response you can to the material that you're given, but you really don't know what the panel is looking for um, and and it may you may have done nothing wrong. You may have done a brilliant audition and you still don't get the job and that was difficult for me. Yeah. So sitting now on the, the life, other side, the actual is working different. life of an actor in that in that way can be very brutal. And oh, if you yeah. and if you don't find a way to manage that in a healthy way for yourself, you are better to find another path mm. because that never changes. Yep. That question of <laughs> you might be really great, but just not right for that role. And we use that phrase a lot: just not right for the role. What does that even mean? Mm. You know, there are jokes about oh, taller, shorter, you know, more blonde, more br- mm. brunette. But actually, it's not about that. It's actually a there is a mysterious match between a character, an actor and a director and it's, yeah. it is a bit mysterious and I'm very comfortable talking about that mystery place. It's not, it's not a touchy-feely thing, it's an instinct. Yes. And the, the, what that instinct is to, to know what that particular actor will bring to a role, you might not even have thought about it until you see that actor. Mm. Yeah. It's a, and yeah, that question about finding, finding a different path through because obviously you had a huge love for theatre. Yeah. <laughs> Some thirty years, I think, yeah. has, has been in my blood, and 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 pretty much where I've earned all my money, um, apart from bar jobs, which every actor and person in performing arts has done. Um, uh, yeah, so you know, the idea of get a real job <laughs> it <laughs> never well, appealed yeah. to me. Well, but it has been a real job. <laughs> it has, and it evolves over time. I sure. started as an actor as well, yeah. and it was really interesting to me because I something in me was craving more control. Uh, which you just don't have as an actor. You submit to both the writer, the director and the production mm. circumstances that you're in. You submit mm. your craft to that. And I just wanted to do more. Mm. Uh, and that's where that 
evolution towards directing came from because mm -hmm. directing's the more. <laughs> uh, but, it, but again, that's, that place of starting as an actor has given me a great sort of sense of, of compassion for what it is that they do and a real excitement when there are actors that are doing things that I could never have thought of doing. Yeah, and working in the new workspace, you would know sometimes with new writing, we're asking people to do some pretty confronting and difficult things. Sure. So these days the conversations are really about trying to feel your way towards whether the actor's up for the ask of the play. Mm. And how do, you, how do you start thinking about a character? So the play happens. So what happens is we decide that we're going to do a play. I think, oh, I'd love to do this play next year. Yeah. Um, Sam, have a read of it. Uh, so I give it to you, you read the play, and then what starts to happen inside your brain? So in my brain I start to get the emotional connections of, of the characters and the, the relationships that they have with each other and how that informs in that snapshot of time because you don't get the full life story, you only get that moment that's written in the story and is, is um, part of it, uh, how they are responsive and what sort of emotions are they displaying, um, what kind of... Um, highs and lows. Um, I think when, my, when I was doing acting, I learnt about the trajectory of a character and, and you know, when you're reaching your peak and, and when you're um, in a subdued and the sort of relationships, whether you're a dominant relationship or, um, you know, you have high status or low status. And all of those sorts of things come into play when I'm reading um, the particular characters. And so then that starts me thinking about who have I seen that has done something like that? Or who have I had a conversation with that I can get a sense of, of um, parallel relationship with the characters? So you're looking versus... for an understanding, someone with a capacity to understand the depths of the, exactly. what might be in that character. Exactly. And so I you... might not have seen them, you know, throw a huge tantrum if that's required of the character. But by the same token, I get a... It, you were talking about instinct before and it is very much an instinct um, where I feel, yeah, I believe that person has the full capacity so I will put those people through a shortlist process or the audition process to make sure that what I'm um, matching in my mind actually is played out. And you see, it's, in the room. interesting thing is it's often not about how someone looks no. at all. We always think, you know, because one of the tools actors have are, are headshots and they, they send in their headshots and it's like so it's a photo of them that uh, looking really good usually. <laughs> uh, and you kind of, it's actually in theatre at least got very little to do with how you look but more, more about the energy that you can carry and mm -hmm. the energy that you can deeply understand. Yep. And again, people don't necessarily have to have lived the character. No. It's not that. It's about their capacity to actually detail it. Because mm. uh, sometimes if people have lived something, they can't play it. No, that's right. It's they can't play it the way the yeah. playwright has written it. Yeah. And so it's that question of deep understanding of people mm. and, uh, and that question about, again, instinct. Do you mm. think that person could pull it off believably? Mm. Mm. Because belief is a big thing, isn't it? You have to be able to, what it is to construct belief. Sure. And also the environment that they're going to be portraying that in. You think if, if I'm needing an actor who can fill the playhouse, for example, they need to have very good, strong vocal skill. Um, they can't have, you know, a soft, uh, reticent kind of uh, voice as they're at their disposal. They need to be able to project. So that's just a, a, um, and some a voice, given. And some voices are better built for that than others. Hugely. And some actors invest more time in that capacity than others. If people are heading more towards 
in film and TV, they might not spend the time developing that vocal capacity that can actually hit the back wall of the playhouse without, well, a, yeah. without a microphone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then we have more intimate spaces like the DCS or like the Bill Brown Theatre that don't require that um, level of support vocally. Mm -hmm. um, but, but they still require a level of, of vocal dexterity. Yes, and clarity. And the, and the bigger the role the more vocal range you need because if you're listening to one voice for a lot of a play, it's got to have a lot of range in it. Sure. So that, that, skill, that question about what skills actors develop over time. Yeah. Uh, for me also as a director, some plays ask for a lot of physicality and you start looking at fitness, actor fitness, mm. because it's not just doing it once. It's that thing of eight shows a week. Yep. And that takes a physical t uh, has a physical toll on, yeah. on actors. So the, their fitness, their capacity, you know, what injuries they've been carrying, mm. uh, you know, what, mm. what rough sports they play and can they not play <laughs> that sport while they're <laughs> in this show, <laughs> you know, uh, things like that become a factor because we're gambling on the capacity of that actor to carry the role for a, an extended period of time. Yeah, that's right. And it's also the thing, isn't it, it's, it's a... It's not the actor alone, it's them in combination with other people. So that's what you're doing as well. Yeah. You, when you're thinking about a particular character and then the actor that could be that character, once we've got, we start working down character lines, then we start looking at combinations. Yes. And that's where it gets really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it does. You can't always be informed by having seen an actor work with an, another actor who you might be thinking about, so you don't know if there exists a relationship uh, if there's any um, untoward relationship that you need to be aware oh, yeah, of, and all thought of that, I have a couple of very funny stories. But you know, as a, as a starting out director, I didn't know actors. Yeah. I only just saw them, and you know, I didn't know them as people. And so I would imagine various combinations of actors. And I remember talking to an artistic director and saying, "Oh, this person would be great with this person. They'd be wonderful in this role." And they went. Yeah, they used to be married. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, they obviously they thought they would be great together too for a period of time. So there, there's things like that. And I suppose that's the interesting thing about working in theatre in Australia is that actually it's a very, it's quite a small, small. pool of, of actors. So, uh, you know, and actors do work together repeatedly over years and they build up a real life relationship. And I'm not mm. necessarily saying beyond mm. friendship, but that question of who's in the room together and who likes working together and sometimes people don't like working together mm. and you have to respect that as well. Oh, completely, completely. That's so important because you don't want to put anybody in a position where they're hating going to work every day. Oh, no. Through, you know, through dynamics of... Especially when the material can be quite difficult. Sure. You know, you're asking them to go into some pretty dark places and I know it's not real, they're imagining it. Yeah. But there's still, you know, if you're in a play where you're arguing with another character a lot... Your body doesn't know that you're not actually arguing. Mm. It argues like it argues and so you're carrying anger in your body mm. uh, and all the stress that goes with that. Mm. And uh, are, you, are you okay doing that? Are you in a room of people where you feel okay doing that, where you feel supported, where you can break out of it and say to your mate, oh, yeah, that was a good one, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. go have some lunch and get yourself out of it. Or mm. we want to build rooms where people feel supported to do that. So sometimes, mm. again, it's your matchmaking between actors, yeah. thinking they'd be a really great team for that scene. And, again, that goes down to the mystery of you weren't quite right for the role. Mm. And it's interesting, that question of how much we communicate that mm. to actors on the back end, you know, why didn't I get it? And sometimes you can't explain it. No, There right. wasn't an actual reason. And mm. how do you say that to someone? I'm really sorry, the instinct of the director or we had a conversation and we just thought this other person was better suited to it right now. Mm. Sometimes it's that too, isn't it? Someone's a little bit too young for the ideas of the yeah. play. 
yeah. or a little bit too old for yeah. them. Yeah. And especially with, with, we get a lot of actors, I mean, I suppose when you and I started, there weren't that many acting schools. Mm. Now there are a lot of acting schools mm. and a lot of new actors coming out each year and you kind of go, and I, I remember when I was, when I was all of 18, I, I, there were, there wasn't a role I didn't think I could play. I opened up Othello and I look, I look at my notes as an 18-year-old on My Lady Macbeth. It would have been wonderful. Oh, my God, I think I said that in a, in a theatre. I think we'll get away with it this time. There's an old theatre suspicion that if you say the word, the, uh, the title play. of the Scottish play, that it's bad luck and you have to leave the, leave the theatre, go outside, to spin around three times, spit, knock on the door, and someone has to let you back in. Yes, it's theatre superstition, but I am a little bit superstitious, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do that later. I'm not going to break up the uh, break up the conversation now. But uh, and, and look, I have to say there's that. Generationally speaking, you've got actors who, who grew up in the theatre in a very different time, mm. uh, working with younger actors with very different expectations mm. about what the profession is. And, you know, uh, there's that, that question about respect, respecting the superstitions because mm. for some people that's, it's actually really important. Yeah. There's that old superstition about whistling in the theatre. Yes. That you're not supposed to whistle. Now, there's a reason behind that because in the old, the old uh, theatres, the fly towers, uh, which are where all the, the, all the bits of set get stored during mm. the show and they get lowered down on ropes, the, uh, and it used to be people on those ropes pulling them up and down, and they used to communicate across well, before we had electronic communications between all the, 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 the teams backstage. They used to communicate with whistles. Mm. And the whistle was how the flyman would signal for something to be flown in. Now, actors stand on stage and they're very, they have to trust the flyman <laughs> uh, <laughs> because things can drop on their heads. Yeah. And if they're not in the right spot and a wall comes in, that wall can hit them. And I actually had a, a friend who was hit by a wall once. It was terrible. Um, they're heavy, heavy pieces coming in. So you were never allowed to whistle in the theatre because you could inadvertently cause a fly cue to happen, which is why actually it was a workplace, uh, uh, not superstition at all, it was workplace <laughs> health and safety uh, in, the, in the old, old time. that We don't use the whistles anymore, mm. and, but you're still not allowed to whistle in the theatre because there are still some actors that grew up in that time where they get very worried if there's mm. whistling because mm. actually of, of what it could set off. So, mm. uh, so generationally, that's that question. Again, you're putting together sometimes very, uh, very well-established actors and very new actors mm. and bringing them into a culture in a room together. Mm. Again, mysterious. Yeah, but again, based on instinct as well, as well as knowledge of, of speaking to people. So not just um, accepting that they're an actor that walks in the door, but they're a person first. Oh. And getting to know them, even if it's a, a five-minute conversation, getting to know a little bit about them, might be in the tea room or something like that, mm -hmm. where you just start to understand people's um, vulnerabilities, um, backgrounds, all of those sorts of things that can just send little layers of knowledge about a person and where they are in their life where they are in their workplace, where they are in their, um, their craft. All of those things um, are things that uh, I have a bit of a superpower in that I remember <laughs> people um, uh, for years and years. And, and uh, interestingly for anybody who's an actor who's come and done a general audition for us in the last seven years while I've been uh, involved heavily, um, uh, I will remember what you did the first time you came into a general audition so please don't come in and do the same piece because I want to see growth. Yeah. I want to see development. I want to see, you know, chance taking and bravery and all of those kinds of things. So um, 
And you do get to know actors over years that they work. Yeah, you go, absolutely. you go and see them in other shows, yes. and that adds into your capacity. You see them, you go, oh, I didn't, I haven't seen that in them yes. before. Yeah, you know. Uh, so even small small shows can be great windows into people's capacity. Yeah, and you want to actually be able to see them growing. You want to actually celebrate that as well. Oh, hugely! Every time you see somebody, you, you're anxiously looking forward to to what's next. What what else do you have in your bag that I haven't seen? Um, and, and truly, and people awesome. do grow extraordinarily. Like, you know, uh, actors are quite amazing these days at, like, taking themselves off around the world to study with this person, take a course with that person, build up this different skill. And, you know, the person that they were when they walked in at 18 or, or 21 when they were coming mm. out of drama school or, or you know, in that, that first year out of any sort of training, uh, they do add to their capacity hugely. And mm. something that they, you know... Uh, I. I probably wouldn't have been able to play a good Lady M when I was 18, but, you know, my notes said otherwise. But, uh, but I do know that the growth that actually happens, you see people growing towards possibilities oh, and you yes. wait and you kind of go, and sometimes it's a terrible thought, like, and I never say it out loud to, to some young actors, but I look at them and I go, oh, if you just hang in there, you're not going to get a lot of work as a young actor, but you are going to be amazing when you hit about 35. Yes. Yes. And that can feel like a really long time when you're not working as a 23-year-old. Yeah. But again, it's that how do you encourage that belief in, their self, in themselves and their craft, yeah. the building of craft? Because it is, that, it is true that some people actually come into themselves in their, in their older version. Uh, I mean, you look at some of our great actors and it was only as they started to get older that their voice matched the, the scale of the roles that they were mm. really capable of. Mm. You know, um, and it's fascinating for me when I, I went to... Nida as a, as a director and a lot of the actors who were in the, the, the time when I was there, I can j see them now actually really hitting their stride. Mm. You know, they're really starting to do some interesting work. And I remember mm. them when they were bashing around it like, you know, they were 20-year-olds, yeah, 20-year-old idiots. Now I'm looking at them going, that's really substantial work. Well yeah. done. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And you must have the same yeah. thing where you same see. same experience. My, my, my time at Nida in the mid-90s was the same where I'm, seeing, you know, they're, they're being louded now, the, the third-year students who came through in the same time mm -hmm. frame as I did and, and, and are um, solid fodder for the industry. Well, no, I, I, I'm going to take back that word, not fodder at all. <laughs> yeah. and that's not, no, how, that's yeah. not how we think of it, but you just kind of go, these are the people who've grown to become yeah. our, in, our, in our time, in our society, our substantial performers yeah. and they're carrying our big stories. Yeah. And that's really what we what we're celebrating, I suppose, is yeah. the is that these are our storytellers. These are the faces that we put on our stories. These are the voices that that speak for us and represent yeah. our stories. And and the people who hung in there, yeah. And and now they're you know they're fully the craft. Yeah, they're fully able to to just give so much depth and and heart to. And the you work. know, it's that funny thing you say to a younger actor: you have to live a little bit. Because, and when we say that, the awful thing is that you need to have big happy and big sad in your life mm -hmm. to understand what that is in our characters. Because dram dramatists, playwrights are writing the big happy <laughs> and the big sad. And sometimes if you've never had the big sad, you don't know how people carry that. And it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And there's a tone that people start to get in their voice where they experience things. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're listening for, isn't it? Oh, An understanding of that yeah. tone. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it was that... Uh, you know, there are beautiful things. Like the, I, 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 love, I, I loved watching Alison Bell when she started doing that ABC series mm, mm. about 
mums and mm. I, I knew that she'd had a child and she was channeling her very own desperation as a new mother with the world and what this meant. Can you mimic it? Yes. I don't think you have to have lived everything. But uh, there's lived experience that, you know, the tone of a mother, I tell you, there's something in that. And yes, to, it gives a truth. There's a truth. <laughs> and, yeah, I celebrate mm. the craft of actors who can imitate mm. and that is a very big difference. We, mm. used to, we used to call it character actors and lead actors, mm. really, uh, <laughs> insofar as the different, the different tonalities mm. that, that you could carry. But the character actors were where we were looking for the life experience mm. in a lot of situations, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And that thing of transformation, yes. that's what a character actor used to be able to do is transform from one character to another. And sometimes you wouldn't even realise that the same actor was playing, mm. uh, playing the same character mm. or a different character. You'd go, oh, my God, mm. that was that person in that play? And mm. I think that's the old school, the old school theatre acting is that transform, transformation. Yeah, and it's actually something that, that um, I, I still use uh, with our general auditions when people come in um, because if, if I didn't know them, if I haven't seen them in anything, then this is the first time that I'm getting that opportunity to, to start that relationship with them. And, uh, and the thing that I, I love seeing and, and absolutely, you know, come out of the room with so much joy is when somebody walks into the room and they're a certain type but then when they're actually doing their two-minute piece or whatever it is, you see that transformation. You see a them, different human in front yeah, of you. Yeah, you get a different energy from them. You see that they're they're really clever and they've thought a lot about it, but they've they've invested something else, something other. Oh, it's from a hard, it's such them. a hard thing, and it's you know, extraordinary. Out, out of the blue, in the cold, that's what's so hard about an audition. You come mm. into a cold room. There's nothing around you. It's just a, a room with a couple of chairs, <laughs> and then the magic of someone being able to become someone else in yeah. front of you. It's the work that it takes to do that, the yep. imagination, the yep. craft, all of that, when it happens, you just get transported and you don't. Mm. And then they finish and they drop out of it and you go, I just oh. want the rest of the play now, <laughs> you know, more. And that's yeah. the feeling that I want, yes. you know. And yep. Because it's also that magic thing that you see when we, when we do a show at the end, we'll, when we, we have one of our productions, sometimes at the end we do a Q&A with the whole, the whole team on stage and the magic for me is I sit on stage and I watch the actors come out and they come out and I know them as the actors, but the audience doesn't. They've just for two hours been watching an extraordinary performance where that person that's now sitting on stage answering questions has a different voice, has a different body, <laughs> and it's not just about the costume. They were mm. a different human. Mm. And you can watch the audience go, what the? Yeah. And that's magic for me. Yeah. No, they are different humans. They don't sound anything like the being that they were just playing for you. Mm. That's the craft. Mm. That's what they've spent their life doing mm. is, is honing that ability to transform. Mm. And I love that. And, yes, of course, we all love the leading actors who are playing quite close to themselves, those lead roles. <laughs> but, but actually the transformative actors really beautiful. They're really special. And you put them in your back pocket as a director, you know that they can do anything. Yeah. And it might not be huge, but it's pivotal for a play working. Mm. And there is that thing, isn't it? Like the, you, you get to know over the, over the years. And that's been interesting. As I, as I get to know the company, so I'm getting to know the people I'm working with, mm. and this is part of the reason for, surreptitiously for doing these interviews, <laughs> uh, is, uh, is getting to know you yeah. as someone that's so deeply invested in casting. Mm. You know, I love that feeling when you, when you come into the office and you say, oh, my God, I saw someone last night. I was at a show last night. I saw this. And I kind of go, oh, that's interesting. Because you getting excited <laughs> is me getting excited. And then you're like, I'll bring them in for, I'll bring them in for yeah. a general that you can yeah. meet with them. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it is, the, you are my conduit at the moment, if you like, for getting to know the, the local actors. Mm. And so 
That's a, that's a really exciting conversation to be in with. And I love that, that feeling for me of discovering new actors. And of course, you've known them for years, mm. but I get to discover them. And it's partly your excitement about their skill mm. that actually is my introduction to them. Oh, that's lovely. It is. That's a, it, it's a really lovely growing conversation. Mm. And, it's, and, and at the moment, I know we're, we're sort of bound in that we're, we, did do, <laughs> we did do general auditions at the beginning of the year. But some of the readings that we're doing is we're starting to talk about who might be good for them. And mm. it seems really small. It's just it's just a reading of a play on Zoom. Mm. It's like, but for me, it's the very beginning of, of starting to work with some of the actors here. And it's really exciting to be going, oh, yeah, you're right. They're kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. and it's still, it's still, you know, even though it is just a reading, um, you it, know, it, there's so much of that um, that intuition and that knowledge of them as, as humans and, and what they'll be able to bring to the process that goes beyond not just a production but in this instance you know, a play reading. So even a play reading that we do at work in, in work hours when we are able to connect and, and gather mm -hmm. together, um, there's still that, that uh, expectation. It's not just the people who are amazing at reading cold, um, um, not having seen the script before, particularly in a new work, but, uh, but also the dynamics that they will bring to a room and making sure that there's good humans in the room yeah. so that the process is a really positive one for everybody involved. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's going to be happy every day because no. plays are really hard yeah, and there are course. stressful moments. Yes. I mean, week three, horrible, horrible <laughs> week where everything goes wrong and everybody thinks that they suck and that it's never going to come together. No one should ever come into a week three rehearsal room <laughs> if they don't have to. Uh, but but that, that sense of, of people willing to work hard mm. in difficult material mm. and mm. see it through to the end. It's, good people helps. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that good room, that's what we're trying to build is a good room so that people can be their best creative selves, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Where there's inherent trust and there's a willing to be vulnerable in front of sometimes virtu virtual strangers. Um, uh, and there's, yeah, there's something really great about sort of creating opportunity for the, for those um, do you get that thing where, where rehearsal process has gone really well and you've been instrumental in pulling together that team? Do you kind of go give yourself a gold star and kind of go, I helped pull that off? Um, a little bit, a little bit, because at the end of the day, you could substitute any one of those people in that room. It's true. We've got so many good times. actors in this city and in this country. Yeah. You kind of go, there isn't the right person, there's the person that you choose and that person brings certain things. Another person would have done something else and the, exactly. the play would have been a different shape. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be right or wrong, it would just be different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so so there's not, there's not too many opportunities where you go, oh, totally, totally aced this one. It's nice when something does come together and when you sit in a production where all of the elements come together, all of the artistic um, vision of the play the casting, the story, it, yeah. everything comes together. It's, that's one of those um, particular productions and that's what every production strives for, but they don't always reach it. But there are some shows where you just go, there was a harmony um, yeah. fundamentally with every single aspect of that particular production. And if I was part of that casting process, then I can go, and part of that harmony came from the cast and I feel good that those people were given that opportunity yeah. to be a part of that but also, um, you know, to recognise that uh, for that moment in time that was the synergy required and my little bit of, of a hand in that um, it's, it's an extraordinary that It's an extraordinary art because there are so many people who have to collaborate for the magic of theatre to happen. Sure. Uh, there's a great director, Robert Wilson, said that 
uh, one in 20 of his shows, he thinks, have been really where everything has really come together. It doesn't mean that the other 19 sucked. No. He's an amazing director. <laughs> but but actually, from his point of view, it's a, a one in 20. It's, it's that rare. Mm. We all strive to make it happen every mm. time. But there is something mysterious that moves inside some works and they come together in a magic way and then everybody in it goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. We know it when we see it and the audiences know it when you see it. It's like mm. if you look back on all the plays that you've been to see, not everything has been amazing. Everything would be interesting... And that's kind of the job of a company is to make sure you, you understand why something's happening. Mm. But every so often, it's magic. And yep. that's what we're always working for is the magic combination, isn't it? Yeah. And once you've experienced it once, you want to repeat it. It is addictive. <laughs> it is addictive. And look, yeah. it's, for me, it's, it's also that thing. There's a very big difference between working on classics and mm. working in new plays. Mm. And again, in the conversation with you, there are some actors who thrive in, in the new place, mm. new, uh, the new play space, mm. where the uh, questions being asked every day as to whether the, whether the line is right, whether it's good, whether the, the line goes here, whether the line goes there, mm. they kind of like the shifting sands of creation. Mm. I think Brian Brown talks about making a new play, like, like walking in new snow. He really likes that. He doesn't like following <laughs> in other people's footsteps. Mm. He likes putting down the first track and everybody else can follow <laughs> that. And I, I, and I like that. Yeah. And he does thrive in that very creative new play space. Mm. Uh, but then other people like the solid foundation of a, of a, a classic to do mm. their best work. Mm. And you can see that the lines aren't going to change. You don't mess with Arthur Miller's lines. <laughs> you play them. Mm. And they love that solid foundation. Mm. And they do their best work in that situation. Mm. So that question of who's really great for new players and who really loves classics. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. are big questions. What are some of the other things that... Um, certain works require... a different type of acting style too. So you've got things like Moliere, which, you know, you have to have high, uh, the ability to, to do high farce and to, but to not make it ridiculous. It's true. To, I mean, to... farce is actually, it has to be deeply truthful. Yeah. The circumstance is, is ridiculous, not the emotion inside it. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and it's a great danger, particularly for contemporary actors who can get caught up in playing that emotion and and heightening it even further. And, I, and well, it's a thing of it's, it's truth, truth at scale. <laughs> yes. It's still got to be true. Yeah. Like, and then the craft is scaling up the truth yeah. so that it doesn't become fake. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so that's that's one of the other things that, that um, you need to be aware of when, when looking at casting particular styles of shows and styles of work. Um, because, yeah, there are, there are actors who have great strength in, um, in playing classic texts or... Yeah, some people can actually take classic text and make it feel oh. fresh and alive yeah. without it being destroyed, without yeah. the beauty of the text being destroyed. It is a gift. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that has to be nurtured and built and yeah. studied and grown. I mean, someone like a Kate Mulvaney mm. is an extraordinary talent with language mm. uh, and her ability, speaking of Moliere, to actually <laughs> uh, play verse. Mm. You know, how do you, how do you relish playing verse as opposed mm. to feel a little bit embarrassed by it? Yeah, well, it's interesting too. Um, often graduates come out of um, tertiary college and the first thing they'll do in a graduate audition is a Shakespeare. Now, I know that they devote a significant part of the course in learning Shakespeare um, and it has validity, certainly, um, in, in, in learning those skills. But there are some people who just either don't get it, they don't understand the rhythm or they don't feel comfortable and confident in it and yet they have 
a bit of an expectation that in order to be an actor, you need to be able to do Shakespeare as well. So they'll come in and do a graduate <laughs> audition with a Shakespeare that they mm-hmm. hate, but they feel like they have to do it. And, and you know, a contemporary piece where they are extraordinary and they show um, abilities and, uh, and, and joy um, playing within that world um, and, and are so very um, disconnected and, and have a, a, a misunderstanding perhaps or a, just a, a, a dislike for Shakespearean work. And, uh, and so in, in choosing to do that, they've kind of given themselves a little bit of an injustice uh, through that process because they could have given two really amazing pieces mm. and, and been considered even higher. You know, it's also interesting for me, um, I always get interested when people work in an audition space to find some new Australian work that I haven't seen before. That's great. You know, and, it's, and I don't yeah. mind seeing some of the great Australian plays mm. at all. Like, you know, there's some, you know, Michael Gow, gorgeous. And mm. I love whenever someone says, oh, I'm doing a piece from Michael Gow, you go, okay, great. And I love seeing <laughs> it. But I love seeing them work in Australian work as well. Mm. So it's not only about finding a play from overseas. and mm. uh, But actually, because there's something about playing Australian work. We know these people. They're not people on the other side of the planet who behave in unfathomable ways that are interesting and cool, but we don't know those people. You've got to be brave to work inside your own language, mm. contemporary Australian mm. work. And there's some really interesting work out there mm. and I'm always interested by the actors that make the effort to, to find some really good Australian work that they really connect to. Yeah. Uh, I always get quite excited. And I have to say, I send emails to the playwrights and say, I saw a piece of, a piece of yours today. <laughs> and actually, it was really wonderful. Yeah. And I love seeing those bits come alive. Yeah. Yeah. And people say to me, sometimes there are, sometimes there are pieces that, that are done a lot. Yep. And people say to me, oh, does it bother you seeing it again and again? I said, no, actually, they're really hard to do. Mm. Uh, and if they're popular ones, but when someone lands it and I haven't seen it in that way before, it's a re- I, I, so mental real hats off to that person for showing me something that, that I haven't seen. You know, there are some, some great Australian plays from a, a few years ago, something like a Reuben Guthrie, which mm. got a very tempting <laughs> monologue in there for, for young men. And, the, and then The Seed, Kate Mulvaney's yeah, yes. The Seed, has got a great yes. monologue in there. They're incredibly difficult mm. pieces, mm. Uh, and but people get attracted to them. Back to the Lady M story, if you think you can do it. <laughs> uh, but they're like diving, uh, di- jumping off a, a high diving board. And, it, uh, you know, and yes, I might have seen a lot of them, but there is that moment when someone puts something into their, a, a, an understanding in there and you go, oh, hello, you're interesting. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's not always about seeing stuff that I haven't seen before, but something, seeing something inside something I'm very familiar with. Yeah. It's just that surprise where you go, I didn't expect that. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's yeah. I, I often, <laughs> I can't help it. I'm... I'm a very emotionally available person. <laughs> and so in the audition rooms, I will often sit with a box of tissues because... Oh, I'm with you. So it's, it's actually kind of ridiculous, the two of us working together, because actually we have to have the tissues there. She'll well up and if she goes, I go, and then we're crying. And then you've got an actor looking at us going, are you nuts? Like, it was really nice. Thank you. <laughs> but again, I trust yeah. that. Yeah. If you can, like in a room with, you know, fluoro lights and a, a blue plastic chair, if you can actually have an emotional impact, then you're going to be fine when you're on a stage with yeah, all the lights around that's you. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, I mean, but there are again, other <laughs> But then there are other actors, and then again, that comes down to the overtime knowledge mm. in the casting uh, of work here. Mm. There are act- other actors who are terrible at auditioning. Yep. You have to you see them, but they're terrible at it. And then you see them on stage, you go, you're really good. Some, like a very good friend of mine from many years ago working in New York, was one of the great actors of New York. 
terrible auditioner and everybody knew it. Mm. But he needed that it be the casting person in the room that says to the director, they're terrible at auditions, get him in, get him in again. Mm. Get him in again and start to have the conversation with him and you'll see over the course of a number of different auditions, you'll see the work grow. Mm. But he just can't do that that cold first audition. Mm. And you're gonna, but you see, that's the knowledge of the person. And you, and again, mm. in the acting community, trusting, we're looking for you to be great. Mm. We're not looking for you to fail. We're looking for you to actually do your best work and for us to go, to go oh, yeah, right. So we're looking for that yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And every person that comes into the room, you've already gone through the process of selecting a small snapshot of the industry that's available um, to, to bring into the room what you're hoping desperately to see. And so there's an investment on our part already before they've even entered the room that we expect or we hope that they're the person who are actually going to get the role and do the job and, you know, and succeed in that process. And, um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful um, sort of tenterhooks moment when you, when you say, okay, and we're going to listen to that scene that we've already heard five, six, seven times before, depending on the number of people we're seeing, and, and you see somebody nail it and you go, oh, I knew out of this group of people somebody would rise to the top or that there might be a couple of versions that we can now sit and go, they were all amazing. Which version do we want? Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's where it becomes awesome. combinations with other people, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. again, how heartbreaking is that? Because you have a group of actors who all did amazing work. Yeah. It can only be one. So what is what are the factors? And you kind of go back to people and say you were really great. Yeah. But again, I guess it's that funny thing, isn't it? I see people in auditions and I know really quickly that it's, it's not going to be them for this, but I kind of go, oh, there's that other play. Mm. And if I'm doing that, I tuck them in, in the back of my... My little Rolodex in my yes, head. I did actually notice the notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> notes just that little thing yeah. where I kind of go, oh, mm. yeah, just keep them in mind for that. Mm. And I don't forget that because mm. you're, working, you're working on all the plays at the same time you're working on sure. one play. And, and I, I had an, an actor who said to me, you, I walked out of that audition and you said, I'm really looking forward to working with you. And I hung on to that. It took five years, but you meant it, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did. I was actually genuinely looking for the right role for you because there was something yes. in you that I really wanted to work with. And when, when I finally, that was it, mm. that match happened. And I kind of went, yeah, and it's true. It was great. And he was great in it. And he, he said, he said I, I got to the point, it was five years. I started to think he, he actually didn't mean it. It was just one of the things that you say. And I was like, no. I'm actually really careful when I say that because I do mean it, but sometimes it takes a long time to find that, that right time, that right role and that right combination. But yeah. you do, you never, forget, you never forget good bits in people's performances. No, that's right, that's right. And in a company that only puts on, you know, eight plays a year on average um, and knowing how many roles that means equating across the year, how many local roles, how many interstate roles, how many, you know, you realise that, there's so few jobs. There's always going to be so few jobs for the number of actors that want those jobs. And, um, and so all of those elements that we've been talking about have to kind of come together in this, you know, in this moment of, of sublime circumstance. Well, it is a serendipity. And, yeah, it, it is, is a bit of serendipity that has to happen. It's yeah. true. And look, it is that that question that, well, look, we're going into a very different time next year. Who knows how we'll be working, what we'll be able to work on what kind of money will be left 
I, both in the theatre companies affording to put on plays, but also in the, the community. Mm. Who can, who's going to be able to afford to come? It depends on what, how this, these next few weeks unfold. So we mm. are in a, an uncertain time at the moment. But, but that question again, you know, you're talking about how many role, roles are, are local, local actors. You know, how, how, when we're doing co-productions with, with mm. companies out of state, that provides extraordinary opportunity to, to actors to, to, to go from, from Brisbane to other audiences mm. and to have other audiences discover how amazing they are. So the nature of the opportunities can be so different. I don't think there's going to be a lot of co-production work next year because that question about getting on planes and crossing borders and how much we can trust that. And, you know, I know there are a lot of local actors going, great, maybe there'll be more roles. <laughs> I go like, yes, but there'll also be less opportunity for exposing those talents to the rest of the country. Mm. So swings and roundabouts in the mm. time that we're going into. And, you know, I had, you know, a beautiful executive director, Amanda Jolly, come to me and say, I don't, you know, budget-wise, I don't know how, whether there will be even money for sets. I'm like, it's okay. There's some great, great players I know that don't need sets. <laughs> you know, so we're in a time where we're going to be actually going back to, back to basics a little bit insofar mm. as how we make theatre. And that'll be really interesting to go on that journey with this company as well mm. and with the audience where we might not be able to afford to do the big spectacles mm. you know, or as many of them next year. So what does mm. that actually mean for the way that we work and the type of work that we do? So our relationship, again when there's less work happening, becomes incredibly important. So, mm. you know, I'm saying to everybody, be really nice to Sam in foyers if she's <laughs> your way in. <laughs> no, I joke about that. But, you know, the whole company is filled with people who love theatre and go to see theatre around town. And, mm. and the lovely thing is, is that when anyone comes into the office in the morning and says, oh, I saw this really great show, everybody goes, oh, yeah, really? Mm. And tries to get see it, mm. to see it. And if, and if I didn't get to see it, but you said it's great, we all trust each other. Yeah, Because that, that thing of, you, and you know everybody's taste, so you kind of go, oh, yeah, they're really really good at spotting this kind of thing. You go, okay, great. So it is a pooling of knowledge. So, it, it, you know, it is that. And the lovely thing I found in, in meeting the artists of Brisbane is that all of the artists here are really generous. Everyone goes to see everybody's work mm. and they always recommend other people as well. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it was not surprising to me, like even in the auditions, people saying, oh, you've got to see so-and-so, she's really good. Yeah. And you kind of go, that's really, again, a community that's not, it's not like the, I suppose, the image that sometimes the arts have of being really competitive. Yeah. yeah, of course there's competition. There's competition in every industry. But what there is here is a real generosity of spirit, mm. uh, and especially in the, the performing community. Mm. And that's been really lovely to see as people have been watching online, the different bits of performance as people have been doing them on Zoom yeah. and in their bedrooms, <laughs> you know, how supportive actually everybody is. Yes. And that's what I can feel in the, in the artistic community, inside the company as well. Yeah. You know, that genuine excitement that people have when they see the work in a different company, they go, oh, you've really got to see that. Yeah. It's because they actually really love the work that they've seen. And that's... Yeah. That sort of recommendation builds up the feeling of like wanting to get to know that particular performer or that particular director. It's mm. quite it's quite exciting. Yeah, and it and it speaks too of the closeness of the community that you know we often refer to our artistic community in Brisbane. Um, there are so many people who have worked predominantly for one company or are, are known as independent artists who who create their own work and do a really great job of that. Um, but also in the in, in the, in the company's staff structure, there's a lot of swapping between, you know, the spaces, the different venues or the different companies that exist. And so even within sort of the administrative tier of, of theatre and the community that exists in Brisbane, um, there is that similar trust and that, um, that joy of supporting one another 
and and as people move through different phases of their career, where they go from being an administrator to a writer or a director or or um, you know, get heavily involved in youth arts and things like that, there's there's still that camaraderie and that. Um, that willingness to support one another in their new ventures within yeah. the industry. There's also that thing. Also, people nudge me and say, you know, so and so you know, looks across the office. They're a really good actor as well. I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> They're hiding cunningly in the yes. guise of marketing, but I go, okay. <laughs> you know, that's that's yeah. interesting too. But it's it's true. All of the companies are working ultimately for the same audience. Yes. Same audiences, and we're working to all. Every company is working to create amazing theatre. And so when another company does make something really great, the, the, the feeling of, I, I don't know, the celebration that ripples through the whole community is really great. Yes. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. Because yeah. it, is, it is mysterious. It comes back to that mysterious work. <laughs> it's, it's a word that sits at the heart of your, your dark, mm. a dark art of casting. <laughs> uh, and look, Ken, and thank you, for, thank you for this conversation because I think often, Often there's, there's a, a lot of pain associated around the idea mm. of casting, mm. not being wanted. Yeah, um, and it's never that. <laughs> no, it's never that. And, and I suppose that, that, that question about what, the, what I would hope that a conversation like this would do is actually to start to open up the idea that a company isn't some big institution that judges you, but we're actually just a group of people who really love theatre that want to actually bring in more people to make good theatre. Mm. And that, yeah, it's complicated to do, but that we're really looking to to discover moments in people that we can add up to create a great play. Mm. But that it's really, there's a, I suppose, a, a, a casting is a very human and a very warm process mm. uh, that can feel awful when you're on the other side of it as an actor. Uh, yeah, there's, no equal, way, yeah. there's no way to make it easier no. uh, apart from to say that we can humanise it a little bit more, I suppose. And, and yes, I know when you get to the, the big Broadway uh, productions <laughs> and there are lines of people around the street with their two-minute auditions and that sort of stuff. But that's that's not actually the way we make theatre here in Australia, and the, we don't have to. And we're not trying to mimic that that form of making. That's mm. a and, and the the commercial world is actually quite different to mm. the subsidised theatre world. And that's why the subsidy exists. I think is mm. to encourage original Australian theatre making, not just in the the plays that we make the way that we make theatre, yeah. that we can actually create a very different industry that is not mimicking the, the, the competitive commercial structures of America or, the, or the, the guild sort of sense, the club sort of sense of British theatre. Mm. Uh, so I think we are creating a different environment for our artists and I mm. would hope that that's what audiences feel when they come and see a play here. Mm. Is that actually there's a beautiful community of people that are really trying to make original Australian work. Yeah, and there's and and there's a I, I have a bit of a um, of a banner uh, to 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 work towards uh, in in that I'm hoping that that we'll continue to introduce our audiences to new people that they haven't seen on stage before in our plays. Um, oh, that's true. Because I, look, everybody loves a star on stage. Yeah, we call them stars because they do shine. <laughs> on stage, they do. Some people have a thing in them where something inside them, a chemistry lights up when they're in front of an audience, and yep. you can't take their eyes off. You can't take your eyes off them. And it's the same for me. You kind of go, "Oh yeah, wow!" But that's not. That's that's from time to time. Mm. Uh, the rest of the time, actually, the, the play is the star. The story is the star. Mm. And actually, it's a very different group of people that will bring that bring that together. But mm. the new the new faces. Yes. 
where people, or I love that thing too, I'm with you, where an audience discovers someone. I love that thing where we're putting someone on, they're making their, their main stage yes. debut <laughs> here, and audience, the QT the, the audiences haven't necessarily seen them. I love that. They come up to you in the audience, they go, that person's wonderful. And you go, <laughs> that's lovely. I love that when people tell me that. Yeah. Because they're, they're, t like they're sharing that with me. And it's the beginning of their relationship, relationship. with that person yeah. as a, as a and performer. And that will go on for years. Yes. The life of that performer. You know, you, and that's, what I, uh, that's what's lovely. It's like you're looking at the, the third years who were at NIDA with you mm. and you go, the th those third years now are doing this. You've grown up in your life in theatre with them, mm. with them. Yes. And as they've got older, so you've got older. And, yep. and it's actually really lovely. We, we travel through a period of time with the actors that we have in this time. And it's, it's a wonderful journey to go on with them and to watch them get older and bring different thoughts to the, to the plays. And mm. they speak for us. Mm. They are our imaginative representations of ourselves on our... our our theatre stages, and I love that relationship over time. So when we find a new a new person we, that audiences connect to, and we go, yeah, then they follow them to another theatre company, another stage, and they watch them grow, and they kind of go, I saw them first. Yeah, <laughs> I discovered them. And audiences should have that feeling yeah. that they identified talent first, yes. and they kind of watch that talent grow and evolve. Yes, it's yeah. one of it's one of the lovely things about a life in the audience of a theatre company. Mm. Uh, and and we, while we won't necessarily be able to celebrate the 50th the way we had hoped, what's been really wonderful is is stories from our audiences about the actors that they've watched over the years mm. that uh, and, and hearing from those actors about the plays that they've played for their audiences over mm. the years, their favourite roles. Mm. And it's lovely when the, the actor's favourite role adds up with one of their greatest fans' great <laughs> roles. You know, that's, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. So a very different kind of 50th year for us as a company. But uh, but I'm looking for I am looking forward to being back in the theatre. I'm not loving this time where we can't make plays, to be really <laughs> honest. But I, I am realizing how deeply important it is for our community, and the absence of that does make me look forward to coming back, opening the doors, and figuring out how we bring people back into the theatre and which plays we do it with. That's right. That's right. And despite it, it being whether it's smaller in scale than what we used to, it will still be such a, a sense of celebration that, that we are able to do what, what we do best and that we is, is everybody involved in the process, um, the staff, the craftsmen, the, um, the, the performers, the creative people who are involved in the process. There will definitely be this... this undercurrent of celebration um, coming back to, to doing what it is that we absolutely adore doing. Well, I'm looking forward to the time when you can start picking up the phone to the actors again and saying, <laughs> hey, come in for an audition. We're yeah. thinking about this play. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. But in the meantime, thank mm. you, Sam. This has been a lovely conversation. And I want to thank all of our audiences at home who are joining us for a little bit of quality time, maybe with a glass of wine in your hand, at this time in our life when we have just a bit more time to sit and think and take things a little bit more slowly. I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of a glimpse inside the magic of casting at QT. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We hope to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye!